The new CBA has been signed and this document is over 600 pages long. Did I read the full document? No. Do I understand everything that CBA entails? Not at all. I'm not a lawyer. I don't deal with contracts. I'm not helping somebody sign a three year, $125 million extension, but it's a lot of things in this new CBA that affects fans and will affect how we view and debate NBA players in the future. It's some massive changes in this new CBA. Some ones I like and some ones I dislike. Let's get into it. This is the section I like to call the section that nobody cares about, nobody talks about, two-way contracts. So going into the 2024 season, instead of having two open spots on two-way deals, now you can have three. So this gives players an opportunity to make the NBA team to be on a two-way deal. So this is big for players, man, and this might be big for a team as well. It's, it's real small, like who really cares about two-way contract, but I find this pretty cool. And Exhibit 10, bonus so with the exhibit 10 bonus this just incentivizes players to sign with their g league team if they don't make the nba roster and this will increase from fifty thousand to seventy five thousand. so now you can negotiate that bonus up to 75k which is pretty big and now your offseason and training roster size has increased by one as well no longer is it 20, it's 21, giving players the opportunity to make an NBA roster. If you are that 21st man on that training roster, now you have an opportunity. At first it was 20, but now an extra spot can go in. So your chances of making the NBA just increased just by a small, small, tiny, a tiny percentage. And we really can call this section as well a section that nobody pays attention to. Nobody really cares about the NBA draft combine. Do fans watch the NBA draft combine? I don't think so. NBA draft combine, beginning with the 2024 NBA draft combine, all invited players will be required to attend and participate in the NBA draft combine other than a five on five or any live action offense versus defense drill, which will be optional. Say, hey, they marked this out. You don't have to play five on five. You don't have to do this physical content with other players so if somebody comes with the excuse a top five a top 10 player and say you know what i don't want to participate in the draft combine because i want to make sure i don't get injured hey you don't have to play a five on five you don't have to participate in these defensive drills these contact drills you'll be fine but you still need to participate <laughs> unless excused by participation by the nba for medical or other valid reason other valid reasons, in my opinion, just means you a top 10 player and you're in the lottery. I think the NBA will give you an excuse. We have to wait around and see if the NBA will be consistent with this. Refusal to participate in the combine invited players who are not excused and do not participate in the combine would not be eligible to be drafted in the NBA until the first subsequent draft, which the player attends and participates in the combine. So, hey, if you don't participate in the combine, if you deny to participate in the combine and you don't have any excuse from the NBA, any medical reason, hey, you won't be able to qualify for the draft. You won't be eligible for the draft until 
you fulfill those NBA draft combine requirements by participating in the NBA draft combine. Y'all let me know what you think about this. Now, players have to. It's a must that you participate in the draft combine. And I get it. Top 10, top 15 player, lottery pick. Hey, I'm bound to get drafted. The team already know they're going to draft me. They told me. So what's the point of me being in a draft combine? Like Victor Wimbenyama, he wasn't in draft combine. I don't think so. I can't remember that, even though I didn't pay no attention to the draft combine. That's what I'm saying. This section is a section that, hey, people don't really care about. NBA fans don't pay that much attention to. But this is a interesting rule in the NBA now. I'm curious to see how this will pan out. I call this the Bruce Brown rule. So we know Bruce Brown just signed a deal with the Indiana Pacers. He is no longer Denver Nugget. They just won a championship. And with this new rule being implemented, you can have discussions with players on your team. You can negotiate. You can sign players the day after the NBA Finals. Now, imagine this. Bruce Brown and the Denver Nugget just won the NBA championship. They're feeling ecstatic. They just won their first championship in franchise history. Now Bruce Brown can negotiate a contract the next day, the very next day, he could have got more than 54 million. Dude could have got probably 70 or 80 because the niggas are feeling so good right now. So this can help the player and this can help the team retain players. And this can hurt the team if they feeling too high about a player after coming off a championship. But hey, Bruce Brown could have still been a different nugget. I believe if this rule was implemented this season, like if this rule was in play this season, I believe the Nuggets would have offered Bruce Brown $70 million, $60 million, but they did it, and now he's a pacer. We're calling this rule the Bruce Brown rule called this the compassionate rule. Now NBA players can invest in independent WNBA teams as long as an NBA owner is not invested in that team. But the NBA player can only hold up to 4% ownership in the team. And if players join together as a whole, NBA players as a whole can only invest up to 8% in the independent WNBA team. So I'm like, ah, NBA, really? If you don't give a chance for players to invest, let them invest. If you really care about the WNBA, I'm not saying that you don't. Maybe you should increase it 15, 20%. But it seems to me that you don't want the players to have that much control over a WNBA team. So you limit it to 4%. And if multiple players invest, in an independent WNBA team, they have to invest up to 8%. They cannot go over that threshold. But also, this is implying that, hey, you can invest in multiple WNBA teams. So you can spread that money around and invest in multiple WNBA teams. Maybe that's what the NBA is trying to get at. I think this is pretty cool rule. Interesting to see which players will invest in WNBA teams in the near future. I'm pretty sure a guy like Kyrie Irving will invest in multiple WNBA teams. Hate this rule. I abhor this rule right here in season tournament. It doesn't make any sense. I know 500K reward to the winner of the tournament, but I think fans won't keep up with this. It's meaningless. It doesn't mean anything. It's pointless. Why have these teams at the bottom compete against each other for 500,000? I don't care who wins that at all. I don't really care. They should implement something else. This is not a high school game, okay? This is not a high school season where we have a Christmas tournament 
a Martin Luther King Jr. tournament. We shouldn't be having these in-season tournaments. You already put in the play-in game, which is, hey, pretty cool. I like the play-in game. But in-season tournament, it doesn't incentivize teams to play hard at all. Not in my opinion. This is just a wash. Maybe it's a benefit for the owners. No, it is a benefit for the owners, you know, get more revenue. So that's a win for them. But as a fan, do I really care about this in-season tournament? Not at all. Not at all. Have I already have a disdain towards the in-season tournament. And the season hasn't even started. It's just pointless in my opinion. You've had a career year so far. You, you led this Bulls team to the best record in the NBA. You are the youngest MVP in NBA history. And in a league of very valuable players, you are the most valuable. And it is my pleasure to award to you the Kia NBA 2010-11 MVP trophy. It's improbable, but it was because of your hard work and determination, and that's why these fans in Philly love you. Congratulations. You are the 2023 Kia NBA MVP. The NBA reward system, all NBA all NBA defensive team, MVP, most improved, rookie of the year. These awards matter. These accolades matter when it comes to discussing if someone is a GOAT, to come to discussing if a player is better than the next player. Like somebody can make a legit argument and say, you know what, Rudy Gobert is better than Vince Carter because Rudy Gobert has four all NBA selections. Four. And Vince Carter only has two. And he's better than Joe Johnson as well because Joe Johnson has zero and Rudy Gobert has four. Like these discussions happen all the time, all NBA, MVP. Now things will change. To be eligible for MVP and all NBA team, defensive player of the year and all NBA defensive team or most improved player honors, a player must satisfy at least one of the following two criteria. One, player played in at least 65 regular season games or a player played in at least 62 regular season games, suffered a season-ending injury that renders the player unplayable through May 31st. So, dude, to qualify for this, you play 62 regular season games and you get hurt and you come back before May 31st. So if you play in the playoffs, you won't be eligible to be selected to all NBA team, all defensive team, MVP. What are we doing here, man? I know that low management sucks. 
I went to a different Nuggets game to watch Dame play, not even to watch the Joker play back in 21. I said, I want to go see Dame. But I'm like, yeah, I do want to go see the Joker too. But I went to go watch Dame and the Joker play, and Dame didn't play. He didn't dress out. And it was discussions around like low management. He was doing fine. I think he actually played like the game before that or two games before that. The discussion was low management. I'm not really sure. But Dame didn't play, and I was disappointed. That happened so much in the NBA, like fans paying all of this money to watch players play and players don't show up. I get it. NBA, you want players to show up and play games, at least hit them where it hurts their pockets. But these accolades, I don't know. I don't know about the accolades. I'm doing that. So and played in at least 85% of the team's regular season game prior to the injury. So you have, so right now the NBA is saying, Hey, you got to control your injuries. You have to be the one in authority over your injuries. So you have to tell the injury, no, you can't be, you have to tell your foot, no, it can't get hurt. My back, no, it can't get hurt. My wrist, no, it cannot get broken. You have to tell your body that. And that's just foolish, man. 85% of the regular season games to qualify. Oh my goodness. 85%. A player must be considered to have played in a regular season game for purposes of these rules. If he played at least 20 minutes of the game, except for up to two regular season games per season, the game will count. If the player plays between 15 and 20 minutes. So a guy like AC Green, my guy, AC Green, who played a ton of games, had the longest streak of playing games. I don't think that record will be broken. Also, that's impressive. But what was more impressive, the dude played with Magic Johnson. Okay, he played with Showtime Lakers, and he remained celibate, okay? Faithful to Christ. That's a huge accomplishment, okay? Total abstinence, yeah. How practical a message is that for today's young kids? Uh, it's very practical because I think the stereotype is that everybody's out there doing it. You know, that um, the image is because sex, so, so to speak, I guess we'll say it sells, you know, because of in the media, from uh, print to whatever, it gives you the impression that everyone's doing it, so it's encouraging, I think, the young people that this is just a normal way of, of acting, a normal behavior, but not everyone's really doing it. There's people out there, there's a lot of young people that are really trying to withstand. Maybe they haven't been sexually pure their whole life, but a lot of them are trying to change their mind and say, I don't want to give into that peer pressure. I can make a decision on my own. But what do you tell kids who, who, who don't have much mm -hmm. and say, hey, why shouldn't I enjoy my own sexuality? It's one of the few things I have access to. Well, because it is that. It's something very precious. It's something that's very, I think it's the most highest valuable gift that a person can have is their own body. And that's really how I look at it personally, is that, you know, you need to take care of your body, take care of yourself, and not just give it around or pass it around like butter out of the table or anything of that nature. When, from yeah. just well, we're not talking about having, we're not talking about making babies. We're talking about having, having sex here. I mean, it, it, it is... It is a part of life's experience. Right. You, you don't think you've missed anything in life as a result? No, no, I don't. I don't think I missed anything. I mean, if you look at uh, the potentials, you know, out there, or what I could have missed, you know, maybe uh, the lady I was probably with, probably maybe being pregnant, you know, maybe uh, some particular sexual transmitted disease, just a question in my mind, you know, or just really emotionally giving myself to somebody that I, I know I'm not going to be with for the rest of my life. I don't think I missed out on anything. I think it's worth the wait. About practicing safe sex. But if there was such a thing as safe sex, then why are so many young people paying such a high price? 
The numbers of unwanted pregnancies, abortion, sexually transmitted diseases, including the HIV virus, are increasing dramatically each and every year. Instead of playing Russian roulette with your life, isn't it about time you try something new? The only true form of safe sex, the only 100% guaranteed way that you will not get a sexually transmitted disease or an unwanted pregnancy is to abstain from sex until the point that you get married. That is beautiful. That's something I like to see. And that record is better than any record that you can receive from the NBA. But back to this, the dude played all of these games, but multiple games he played, he only played seven minutes. 10 seconds, a couple of seconds, just checked in to qualify to keep their streak alive. If that rule was implemented in the eighties, he wouldn't be able to do that. You have to play at least 15 to 20 minutes now to be considered to play in a game. And I think LeBron James did that a couple of years ago. He wanted to reach what 82 games and he just played a few seconds. No, now you have to play at least 15 to 20 minutes to keep their streak alive. <laughs> Pretty interesting. Pretty interesting with the 65 games, like a guy like John Morant, he won't qualify this year for our NBA team. He won't, he will miss 25 games and we don't know how many games he will miss in the regular season when he comes back from that suspension. So a guy like him, he won't be able to make it. And just think about it. Are we going to punish the top players because they got hurt and put players who don't deserve to be First, all, all NBA first team, all NBA second team, all NBA third team. Are we going to punish the top players because of injuries and put people and give them all NBA selections that they don't deserve? We just gave it to them because the guy who really deserves it, he was hurt. He didn't play 65 games. I don't know how I feel about that, man, but just look at the list of people who would not have been all NBA selection. Like LeBron would have missed the past three years because he didn't play these many games. Same goes with a guy like Joel Embiid. So you have to play games now. I get it. I want players to play. I hate that players are sitting out, man. I hate that players are doing load managing. I hate it. I want to go to a game and actually see the players there that I want to see and I want them to play. But this 65 game rule, he had to play 85% of the games prior to injury which is something I just don't like. I'm indifferent on this rule. I like it and I don't like it. I'm in the middle, man. Y'all let me know what you think about this rule, this 65 game rule, but I'm going on to something that I really enjoy more. Positionless voting, my favorite rule. They finally implemented it. I've been waiting for this because we see guys like Rudy Gobert, DeAndre Jordan, back in 2016, made all NBA first team. This dude never was a top 15 player in the league. He was a good player, solid player, but top 15, no. Rudy Gobert, who made the all NBA team at least four times. He's a good player. He really is. But if we really, really just go into detail, the dude should never made these many all NBA teams. Other guys deserved it, but their positions were full. The positions were just full. You weren't able to make it. I remember Klay Thompson going into a contract year. He did not make an All-NBA team, even though he deserved to be on the All-NBA team. Um, <laughs> you, uh, you nearly made the All-NBA team, which would have elevated your potential. Oh, I did? They yeah. already came out? Yeah, it came out today. You were like uh, right behind Who got, or no, no, right behind, who got third team? Kyrie. But you, you barely, yeah, Kemba. Kemba got it. Uh, you were a couple. I mean, that's cool and all, but like, when you go to five straight finals, 
I, I, I respect those guys, but holy, when you go to five straight, I mean, it takes more than just a couple of NBA guys. It's like an all-time team, but whatever. That's not. A, I'd rather win a championship than be 13 on NBA, so it's all good. Do you not like that that, that affects potential contract statuses, you know, all NBA stuff, because that would have elevated you yeah. to another. It's, it is what it is, you know, I can't control it. Uh, do I think there's that many guards better than me in the league? No, but that's the reason why we're still playing. So I don't even want to get into it, honestly. So, man, now we can vote not based on position, but based on who deserves it. And I still think this won't go right because at the end of the day, you have people voting and I think people have bias and people choose their bias just like we saw this past season with the MVP with Joel Embiid. I believe that was biased voting. So we have to wait and see, man. I don't know about this position list. I like it a lot, though. I like it a lot. I freaking love it. I'm so glad they implemented it. I wish they would have did this a long time ago because guys who are so elite, so skilled at their position, and their position is and their position is stacked with great players, and they don't make the All-NBA team, even though they deserve to, like a Joe Johnson who never made an All-NBA team, he should have made an All-NBA team, but because of the rules, he didn't. Now, with this rule, we will see players who really deserve to be uh, all NBA team selection to be on all NBA team be selected. So now as a center, you really have to dominate to make all NBA team. You cannot just put up, you know, good numbers compared to the um, average numbers compared to everybody else and still make the all NBA team. You feel me? Y'all let me know what you think about this in the comment section below. If you could change one thing in the NBA, please let me know what would you change and what was your favorite rule in the new CBA? Let me know in the comment section below. Until next time, guys. Peace.